Hello, this is Len Tengis welcoming you to the iPodcast AGCMO Weekly Podcast. In each episode, we'll feature information about a contractor, specialty contractor, supplier, contracting agency, owner, or legislative or regulatory issue pertinent to the construction industry in Missouri. We'll feature industry professionals and other construction industry representatives to help our listeners stay up to date with current and future trends in construction. So here we go. Welcome back to iPodcast AGCMO. Our guest today is the city manager for the city of Springfield, Jason Gage. Jason, thanks so much for being with us today. Hey, thank you for having me. Well, tell me, Jason, what does the city manager in the city of Springfield do in a day's time? How did you get to where you are, and what's your primary purpose there? Well, that's a, that's a big question, and I'll, I'll try to keep my answer as short as possible. But, uh, you know, most people are familiar with gov- local government from the perspective of a mayor and a council, and that's what we see on television. But there's a form of government that's called the council manager form of government that's been around since the early 1900s. And uh, that's the form of government we have here in Springfield. The idea behind that is to take the party politics out of local government. And so we know that uh, we see that with county government and state government and the federal government. We're used to that. But there was an effort in early 1900s to eliminate the impacts of what they felt was the worst part of party politics and take it out of uh, the local government and really try to sort of match up with some of the uh, components of the private sector business model, such as a board, which in our case would be our city council, and the CEO, uh, which in this case would be the city manager. And so the city manager's job is uh, is to be appointed by the city council and the mayor, and um, the, the position is an at-will position, and it's to manage the uh, all the day-to-day operations of the city of Springfield. And it's a very similar role in other cities across the country. There's some larger cities such as Phoenix that are not, that is known as a very very efficiently run city. It's council manager form. Texas, uh, Dallas is a good example. Uh, and there are cities across the country, both large and small. So again, so you, people will find when they vote for their council members, they won't see an R or a D or any other letter. They're nonpartisan. And so the whole approach is to take that partisan politics out and uh, sort of run the operations like uh, the private sector model that came about. And so uh, I, uh, I was, uh, you know, in college many, many years ago, just down the road in Joplin, going to, at the time, Missouri Southern State College, which is now university, and was thinking about going to law school. And I took a, a class and learned about city government from who was then the city administrator of Carthage, a gentleman by the name of Tom Simpson. Uh, it was an evening class that I needed. I wasn't all that interested in city government, didn't know anything about it, but I, I needed it as an elective, so I took it, and I became interested. And I thought, you know, there's an opportunity to make a big difference in a community at the grassroots level. And I asked him, I said, well, what do you have to do to be a city manager? And he said, well, he said, uh, a good path would be to go get your master's in public administration. And he said, there'll be multiple jobs, internships, assistant jobs, small town manager jobs. You'll figure out the path and follow a path, and you can become a city manager. And I thought, well, that sounds like a pretty good thing. So I went to, uh, uh, after I graduated at Missouri Southern, I went up to Mizzou in Columbia and got my master's in public administration. And there I worked as an intern for the city of Mexico, Missouri, 
I left there. I went to Salina, Kansas as a uh, year-long full-time management intern. It ended up being about a year and a half. I came back to Missouri and became a, my first job as city manager. It was in a small town of DeSoto, uh, which is in Jefferson County, and the, technically in the St. Louis metro area. Right. It's in the southern, more rural area. And so from there, I was able to progress in multiple different jobs. And, uh, and as a city manager, you will move around like a school superintendent and certain other positions. And then eventually, I was able to, uh, as I spent most of my time in Kansas with a little stint in Stillwater, Oklahoma, I was able to come back to my uh, home state in Springfield, uh, just a couple hours from where I uh, grew up. And uh, I've been here now for a little over two and a half years. I'm, I'm just loving it, and I'm really excited about it. So this has been your path the whole way since college, since that uh, class. What a what a great story. What a great uh, direction to just be on one trajectory that entire time. That's great. Now, what what sort of challenges have you had in the last two and a half years since you've been here in Springfield? Well, it's interesting. The challenges are pretty typical. You know, whether a town is a town of 5,000 or a town like ours that's uh, pushing 170,000, they're pretty much the same. They're, the legal challenges are the same. Development challenges are, the, are pretty much the same. There's some different nuances. The biggest challenge that I have found with every position is, as my role is also to support and help the city council in an objective, nonpartisan, and, and really uh, not lean any which way, uh, but to help with process and information. I found it's really difficult to really know what your community wants. Really trying to stay in touch with the populace gets to be tough, doesn't it? Absolutely. And, there, you know, in the state of Missouri, it's a fairly low-tax state, and in a low-tax state, there's still a, a pretty high expectation for quality of services. And uh, that makes it a challenge because you can't always have the quality of service that you, someone may want in a low-tax state. And so we struggle with that. And it, really every community I've been to uh, struggles to a degree with having the revenue to do what the, uh, to provide the level of service they need to provide, level of capital improvements, and so forth. Uh, so that's always a challenge. In every community, that's a challenge. E even in suburban communities that are growing pretty fast, that's a challenge. So that's an ongoing challenge, too, you see from time to time. One thing I'll say on the positive side here is this, this community collaborates well when we think about the government entities and educational entities in the, in the business sector and the not-for-profits and in the health sector as well. And so we've been pretty uh, enlightened with that and, and very uh, very proud of the collaboration I've experienced here. Now, I've been talking to some folks here in Springfield, and they're talking about this Grant Avenue Parkway as a real opportunity to look at projects in a different way. Is that something new that you're engaged in and some sort of a different approach you're taking to deliver a project? Yes, Grand Avenue Parkway has been a project we've been pretty involved in now for, oh, about a year and a half. In 2019, we received $21 million from the federal government under their Build Grant program. That's better utilizing investments to leverage development. And so we uh, matched that with about $8 million, and so, or about $7 million, and so we have about $28 million project. And uh, what we're looking at is, is we're looking at Grant Avenue, that parkway uh, corridor plan uh, from really College Street downtown on the north boundary, uh, all the way south to Sunshine. And so you think about that, that connects us with that Bass Pro area at Sunshine and connects that to the downtown. So we believe there's a lot of opportunities for impact there. And the interesting thing is that corridor is not the same through that whole roughly three-mile stretch. It varies. And so we, we asked ourselves, what can we do with this? We just don't want to put a roadway there. 
we needed to do some road work, but that's not what this is about. It's about using this area as an opportunity to see what is what the potential can be in a project area and potentially in other areas of our community. And so we've been collaborating with uh, Citizenry for, for over a year in, in a variety of ways now because of COVID, and mostly virtual, and uh, we had a lot of input, significant amount of input, and we're really thinking about things such as the land use or place types. We're thinking about the aesthetic of the roadway, the functionality of the roadway, anything that could cause someone to say, uh, I want to drive there, I want to be in that area, I want to I be a part of that neighborhood. Thinking about connections uh, to that corridor as well. Uh, so there are lots of facets to this project that we're contemplating as we move along. We really want it to be a, 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 as big of an impact project as we can possibly create. And like I said, we want to learn from this project so that as we start to think about other areas of our community, we can take what we've learned from this and try to apply those, those uh, tools and approaches uh, throughout the community. Now, I would imagine as a city manager, when you're pulling a project like that together, you have to bring a lot of different departments in. You've got to bring in transportation. You've got to bring in the utilities. You've got to bring in the business community. That's a huge collaborative undertaking. Absolutely. You really need a collaborative environment to make a project like this successful. So you're right. You're looking at it's not just a typical capital improvement project where you're going to upgrade or build a new roadway. So uh, from a utility perspective, we work with our own city utilities, which is a a branch of city government. We're working with the educational uh, system because we have high school right there along the way on the corridor and, and other educational uh, options there. And so we want to talk with the, the school uh, district as well in the system and see how this can integrate and how it can maybe add to education. Housing. Housing is a big deal. Affordable housing is a big deal. Market housing is a big deal. So we're looking at all the ha- potential housing options and what this can create in that area. Uh, obviously a new roadway and a roadway that uh, functions uh, well that uh, helps us to think about the future of transportation in this connection. Something that is very aesthetically pleasing. What kind of thematic aesthetic aspects will come out of this? Uh, What about the use of technology in this corridor? And that prompts uh, talking to partners that can provide that technology, whether it's a Wi-Fi, whether it's the use of uh, broadband in that area to communicate. Uh, So, yeah, in the development community, you learn more about what you can do in an area from those that actually do it every day. And so uh, that input's really important when you think about what's the development potential, what's the development impact of that area. And so on and on and on, as we think about this project, we generally will probably hit just about every sector of partner in our community and every type of organization at some point along the way. So uh, collaboration is incredibly important. We've been very, very open about that and very transparent. And uh, we're in a position to try to learn from our collaborators as we put this project together. And really something like that can be a catalyst long term. Yes, you'll get this project done and you'll bring everybody together. But I think ultimately that has the benefit of teaching everybody a better way to do business outside of their silos and that there is value to this collaboration. Yeah, I think so. And we're, you know, we're using a design-build approach to this project. And most people are familiar with a design-bid-build where you hire a designer and you'll come up with a, what you think is a really quality design. You go and bid the project out. Contractors with their subs will bid on it. And you'll typically then choose the lowest bid if it's a quality bid and then move forward with construction. 
in the uh, design build process though what happens is is you get the groups of contractor and designer teams and and there's a budget and they need to stay within the total budget and you get to give them an opportunity to see how really how efficient they can be how creative they can be within the budget to uh, give you the best uh, possible project option then you rate those options so that's an exciting process and we think it's well suited for this project uh, and it gives it not it not only puts the burden on us to think about what the project can be it shifts some of it to uh, to those design teams to the contractors and designers collectively to tell us what they think as well so we're really excited about that and we think that will help us have a much better project I also understand that in your time there as city manager you've been working with some of our AGC and Missouri contractors to look at the systems that you have in place and figure out ways to be more efficient and do a better job of delivering for the public. We, we sure have. You know, from time to time, it's easy to sort of get into a routine of doing things. And uh, when you get into a routine of doing things, you, you tend to, not intentionally, but you can become pretty insensitive sometimes to people and people's needs. And uh, whether you're working for the city, whether you're a designer, whether you're a contractor or subcontractor or an owner nearby, everyone has certain needs and expectations out of a project. And so, yeah, we uh, we had some conversations early when uh, it was brought to attention that uh, there's some aspects of the, of the procurement process and inspections and some other pieces of that that perhaps we could do better. And we sat down and had those open conversations and they were, they were very, very productive done very positively which is what you look for in that and uh, we listened to that you know and we went back then and we we talked among our our own staff and said you know uh there's a lot of there's a whole lot of yeah we can do this better we can do that differently we can be more responsive we can be more efficient and it's a good opportunity to remind ourselves that when we do a project we if there are a lot of people that, that are affected both that help us complete the project when we think about contracts and dollars and timelines but also those that are around the project that may live around it or businesses around it and so forth so the timeline is really important for everyone it's important for us contractors and for the property owners around there and everything that affects the process can affect the timeline and the cost of that project and then the cost is also important so it kind of helped us to kind of be a little bit more awake with regard to our communication and strengthening our relationships with the contracting group and those that participate and thinking about a lot more things from the front uh, on the front end and really planning through that project so uh, I, I found it was I believe it was very gratifying from our perspective and I hope it was uh, from uh, the contractor side so we're, we're excited we kind of put out a commitment out there that said hey we're gonna do these things we're not just gonna say it we're gonna do it and uh, so far I think and what's still been a pretty tight contracting environment, pretty competitive, even through COVID, I think that's been very helpful for us. Yeah, I think we've all learned to listen to our customers a little more and understand how we can work together and we all come out better off than we would have otherwise. So, Jason, I appreciate your time. I appreciate the work you're doing as city manager. It sounds like you've got some exciting work ahead and we look forward to continuing to work with you from AGC in Missouri to make sure that your days go as smoothly as they can. Well, I appreciate that. I'd like to a big thank you to AGC and, and, and all the members. We Again, we love the relationship. We look forward to it, and uh, there are a lot of great things that are going to happen because of it. So thank you for the opportunity. Thanks again for listening. 
It's easy to subscribe to iPodcast AGCMO on almost any podcast platform that you use. We hope you do subscribe and continue to listen as we move forward with this important project for the construction industry. To access our prior podcasts, visit www.agcmo.org, not only for podcasts, but for additional information about AGC of Missouri.